This is our Everest. Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome back to This Is Our Everest, the podcast about culture. And today, we're watching Pebble Mill at 10. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it sucked so bad. (laughs) Pebble Mill at 10 was a special edition of Pebble Mill, or Pebble Mill at 1 was the, the, the... the full title of the program it was broadcast on the 14th of october 1982 to mark the 10th anniversary of the first broadcast of pebble mill yeah it didn't i'll tell you what it well i didn't get a call and it was my 10th anniversary a month before well that's true now i actually did a little bit of research about this and discovered... Did you? I discovered about something called the Television and Radio Act of 1972. Okay. This was uh, passed by... A, you're a big fan of his. He's a friend of the podcast, Ted Heath. <laughs> what? Hang on a minute. <laughs> um, How long has he been? How long has he been a friend is, of the he's podcast? He's always been a friend of the podcast. Pre-1972, British TV channels were limited to being able to broadcast 50 hours of content per week, excluding adult education material, state occasions, Welsh language content, or live sporting events. Okay. After 1972, TV channels were at liberty to set their own schedules. Yeah. And ITV reacted to the change in January 1972 by announcing a full daytime schedule for the autumn season of 1972, which is, of course, when you were born, interestingly enough. Yes, it is, yeah. Uh, Pebble Mill was the BBC's response to that, and it, it essentially acted as the anchor for the BBC's entire schedule. Because at one o'clock, it was Pebble Mill at one. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it was when I was a kid. The, the, that music at the start of um, at this episode uh, is, um, it's, that's, the, that's as much, uh, for me, um, the sound of being off school ill. Yeah. In fact, I saw in the Wikipedia page that uh, children who are off school ill listed as one of the four main contingents of the Pebble Mill audience. Yes, I would have. Yeah, you know, that that doesn't surprise me in the slightest because it was just on when a lot of the time there wasn't anything else much on. Um, Pebble Mill, of course, itself is was the BBC's Birmingham studio. For the, for anybody who's wondering, why is it got that? Why, why is it called that? Pebble Mill was the BBC's Birmingham studio. Yeah. So it's basically live from Birmingham. New, newly opened uh, in 1971 when Pebble Mill yes. started. Mm. The idea of it being in Birmingham can be a little bit confuddling in that there's obviously there was a lot more regional TV back then, but Pebble Mill 
was never a regional show. It was always a national show. Yes, yeah. And, the, you know, it had some pretty big names hosting down the years. Jan Leemings, and you've got your Fern Britons, and you've got your Magnus Magnusons, yep. and your Alan Titchmarshes, of course. Of course. And Judy yep. Spires. Yeah. Um, my mum was on Pebble Mill in about 1990, having won a Radio Times competition. Um, right to write a radio <laughs> script, right? Okay, all right. Part okay. of the prize... I was going to say something unconscionably rude. Part of, part of the prize was to see your script acted out by, you know, actors on Pebble Mill. Who, 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 who acted out? Uh, I can't Quentin. remember who played the man. Oh. The person who played the woman was Caroline Quentin. Ah, not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Um, not bad. And... Backstage, my dad got in Judy Spire's way, and she told him to get out the fucking way. So, oh, right. it ring it, the whole thing rings true. One thing I never really factored in about Pebble Mill was that one of the USPs of Pebble Mill was that it was hosted in the foyer of the Pebble yes. Mill studios. I think this mm. was very much less the case towards the end of Pebble Mill, mm. but. Certainly for Pebble Mill at 10, this special celebration, it's it's like the entire programme has been filmed in the lobby of a Soviet hotel. It is, and it starts <laughs> within two minutes. For fuck's sake. Well, now, look, what seems to have been the case, and it, obviously this has been trailed, no doubt, for months ahead of time, in 1982, obviously, it's this disappeared into the mists of time, and all we've left with now is the the consequence of it. There was something called the Pebble Mill Dashes, yeah. which was some sort of charitable endeavour where people were to come from all over the country, um, yeah. being sponsored to raise money for the RNLI, which is a very worthy cause, although not necessarily if you live in Birmingham. The parade that is therefore trickling into the studio, it's like a really, really shit car rally. Yeah. But there was a problem, because it wasn't just cars arriving. <laughs> it was, no. No, sir, it was not, sir. No. Um, they, play the close, they play the opening titles to it, and it goes cuts immediately to outside the front of Pebble Mill Studios. Yeah. And there's some people walking up the driveway yeah. and uh, are they singing? What are you they squint, doing? You squint at them. You say, there's, some, there's, something, there's something not right, something yeah. off about these. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit pixelated <laughs> because it's a YouTube video, oh, so it's kind God. of difficult to make out. And then it's like, oh, sh- oh it's the black and white Shit a brick. Yeah, yeah, they've... Uh... And here's the fucking thing, right? The black and white minstrel show had been taken off the BBC four years earlier. Well, And yeah. everybody knew the reason why. What the hell are they doing back then? Well, I mean, I think that they were celebrating 8,000 performances at the Birmingham Hippodrome. Well, I'm sure that's very nice for them, but, you And know. then Donnie McLeod asks Di Francis who was the yeah. uh, baritone. When, when's it going to come back to TV? And Di Francis says, oh, I don't know, but it has to, doesn't it? 
Well, no. And no, no, no. If I'm no, honest, guy, the reason that it doesn't is summed up completely adequately by what I'm watching, which is a yeah. man who looks like King Edward the Seventh asking a man yes. who's blacked up when he's going to be on TV again. That is why it doesn't have to come back. I, I just, <laughs> I, I was staggered to see the black and white minstrels making a fucking return. I mean, you know, it it is a matter more than 40 years on. It is a matter of national shame yeah. that that programme lasted as long as it did. Yeah, And it's, I'm amazed to see them back there four years after the event. And it's just, what are they doing here? They look like they've been beamed in from, a, from the planet racism. <laughs> <laughs> so good. All right, okay. It was a oh, mistake to well, give the planet good. racism tractor yeah. beams. Good. Yeah, good good afternoon and welcome to Pebble Mill at One. Our first guest on this afternoon's show, one of Nigel Farage's fever dreams. <laughs> um one of good the vehicles amazing. on its way to Pebble Mill is a Royal Navy Sea Harrier. Which is gonna is yes. gonna take thirteen minutes to arrive at three hundred and sixty knots, two hundred feet above sea level. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Isn't well, it's it? pretty yeah. thirteen thirteen minutes from Yeovil. Well, it's pretty cool. To Birmingham. But I would say anyone who lives between Yeovil and Birmingham on that flight path, with that thing going past at two hundred feet above sea level. Well, they did say go out and have a look if you're in Gloucester yeah. or Hereford. Or, or yeah, whatever. or anywhere else. It's going to knock and all that, of your yeah. cutlery oh. in China out of the fucking cupboard. Yeah, on, on one level, <laughs> I'm watching that and thinking, what a phenomenal waste of fuel. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know. What, what are they doing this for? It's only fucking Pebble Mill at one. Jesus Christ. If it, look, if it's a state funeral, then fair enough. You know, if it's the something anniversary of something important, then all right, okay, I'll give you that. One. Yeah, it's the tenth anniversary of Pebble Mill. Who signed that off at the Royal Air Force? You do, yeah, you do have to wonder. Although it was, you know, at this point we're only about five months removed from the Falklands. We so, are, yes. Uh, yes. You know, they obviously wanted to um, big themselves up a little bit. Indeed, when the pilot finally arrives, he's essentially given a military debrief rather than an interview. <laughs> tell me more about the Falklands. Well, it was pretty bad. No, tell me more. I want to know everything. <laughs> Do you hate Argies? I hate Argies. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's... I hate British television. I hate British people. I hate everything. Um... Which is actually one one good thing about hating British people is that their musical guest on this episode was not British. Uh, it was Phil Everly from the Everly. It was Brothers. Phil Everly, yeah, and, that, and that's that's a big star. I mean, the Everly Brothers were properly yes. famous in the you know late fifties. Although early he was 60s. celebrating ten years of being a solo artist. Not, Not an, an Everly, Everly brother, brother anymore. Just a, just an yeah. Everly. And he'd come on to sing his new song, Louise, which I have to say, uh, it didn't do very well in the chart. I looked into it. I think it got to about number 56. But okay, right. 
the host who interviewed him, Marjorie Lofthouse, was really, yeah. really grooving on that song. She was. They while he was performing his song, uh, she was kind of sitting on a stool oh, next God, to the stage, so awful. kind of dancing God. on her own. I mean, all right, okay. I thought the song was all right, actually. I th- it was better was no, than no, I the thought song it was, was going fine. to be. There was nothing wrong with the song. But the, uh, the unseemly sight of the presenter who's just done the interview, just going, do you know what? I yeah. could be getting ready for my next piece, but actually I'm just yeah, going to... I'm just going to sit here and jig <laughs> from side to side. Um, yeah, the song itself actually kind of reminded me a little bit of those kind of early eighties kinks records, yeah. I don't kind of. It's got all the modern to, techniques to in that. it, as Phil pointed out. It's got synths. Yeah, synths. One yeah. thing, I'll tell you, Words. one thing that bothered me is that throughout the entire interview, where they touched upon his time in the Everly Brothers, his solo career, starting a family, etc., 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 he's got a guitar on his lap the whole time. Guitar, guitar, guitar. Yeah. Walks mm. off to stage with the guitar, carries on, comes out with the guitar, mimes the song. Yeah, well, you know, that was that was common at the time. I know, but it's still dog shit, isn't it? I mean, for God's sake. Don't if you're gonna mime the thing, don't carry the guitar for the whole interview as well. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I thought he came off quite well, actually. Um, you know. Well, yeah, but that was compared with everybody else on Pebble. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, that 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 was the the pleasant surprise. It, it was a nice oasis that interview. Yeah, because the bulk of this program, the bulk of the meat of this program, is made up with ad hoc interviews with people who are arriving from around the country on this ridiculous Pebble mill dash yeah or pebble dash mill yeah or yeah. some so i mean let's uh, let's just go through some of these the the some of the arrivals uh there was a pink land rover that had been used yep. on operations in the middle east uh, had a mounted gun operated by a child yeah um hilda kitson from brimble arrived uh, from cheltenham in a vintage car featuring a man dressed up as a letter He's raised £142 and he's bought £500 worth of stamps for the BBC. And he is far too excited to be on Pebble Mill. Yes, yeah. A man has arrived in a six-wheel car that his company makes. Hint, hint. An, An old woman has arrived in a wheelchair with a zimmer on the front of it. Well, this little sign says, uh, as we move on down the path here, not coals to Newcastle, but... And there's a whole bag here of uh, pebbles and uh, <laughs> a mill. <laughs> but pebbles to Pebble Mill. Let me introduce you to, I think, our oldest entrant. It's Margaret Mather, is that right? Yes, that's right. And how old are you, Margaret? 71. And how did you get here? Well, I came by train and um, taxi. So you came in what is a pretty straightforward way for most of us, but because you're—I I know you're disabled. You're in a wheelchair because well, you're wheeling I'm not this. Normally in a wheelchair, I normally get around with this thing. Just using this, using yeah. this for support. Yes, yes. Well, listen, that's very good. Yes, um, yes. So pleased to see that you got here all right. Are you enjoying yourself oh, as well? Very much, yeah. <laughs> very good. Well, I think I'll let you wheel out right through to the steps. Okay, we might thank let you have you some lunch much. now. Well done. And okay. she's somehow seventy-one years old. Oh, she looks about. She's, She's easily, so old. easily 20 years older than that. 
If she was 71, sweet Mary and Joseph, what were they do? What were they in the, putting in the water? Yeah. God almighty. Well, I mean, you, you'll be wanting anyway. to speak to the, the guy from the previous podcast about that, old Harry Dodson. Yeah. Six women who have sat in the back of a low loader for 93 miles. Yes. Walking on their arseholes. Yeah, from, from Retford. I think, wasn't it? Did they come from Retford? Only three of them ever really appear in shot. So three of them, they've done that for nothing. If they were doing that, so at least they would be on Pebble Mill. Good luck. Also, playing in the back of the low loader appears to be Come On Eileen by Dexy Smith Night Runners, which, fine song though it is, I really hope was the only (laughs) song they had. So they were slowly going completely (laughs) mad as their arseholes were just burning. Come on, Arlie. And then you get, well, at least I'm going to be on Pebble Mill. Not if you are on the right-hand side of this van, you're not. Got another couple of Pebble Mill dashes over here. Uh, Ladies from Middlesbrough, I believe. They've come via British Rail. And they're dressed, well, one as a sailor and one as, I'm not sure what. Hello, what's your name? Um, Jack. Jack Tor. Oh. Yes? How much money do you think you've raised? We haven't a clue yet till we get home. Yes. And just just describe uh, what's next to you. Well, uh, can't you say it's a, a parcel? Yes, and what's, what's inside yes. the parcel? Have I to show you? Please show me, yes. I wish I hadn't asked now. <laughs> Can I help? Oh, yes, please. Yeah? Hold on. Dare I lift it? No, perhaps I better not. It's... It's got swag up a... Right, well, it's a sailor and it's a parrot from Middlesbrough. And I think the parrot will only squawk at me. That's right, yes. Let's... uh, Thank you very much. Well done. Let's go over to Marjorie. A woman dressed as Jolly Jack Tar with a man in a parrot costume. Who was inside a parcel? There was a part... The parrot... (laughs) Right, okay. So there's this woman standing there who had this she had an astonishing voice. I thought she was I thought she was putting on a joke yeah. voice. And then she got into it because it was really 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 high pitched. I I I, I thought um, she was putting it on. Then I thought, "Oh, bless her, she's completely mad." And then I thought, "Oh, I don't yeah. know." And then, you know, I just thought just give generously to all of them. But standing next to her and the interviewer is like, so I don't even know what this is. And she's like, it's a parcel. Yeah, you've got to unwrap it. Yeah, you got to unwrap it. So oh. he opens it up and it's somebody dressed in a parrot costume. Yeah, doesn't even it, have any money. To... Doesn't have any money, doesn't make any parrot noises. She's like, no, it's silent. Yeah, it's silent. It's like, you're a fucking parrot. They come what, all... what is the one thing that parrots are famous for doing? They impersonate human voices. If there's a human inside the parrot costume, you've got a ready line to some form of comedy interaction. But no, it's got to stay silent. They come all the way from Middlesbrough. That's a long way. Uh, Rolls-Royce has arrived from Derby with a couple in it who are absolutely frozen to the fucking bone. Yeah, yeah. He, the bloke who, who's been driving looks terrified of the presenter. Terrified. But they've raised £195. Yeah. 
A Welshman arrives on a motorcycle, ridden 146 miles, and he's expecting to make about £80 because people are <laughs> tight bastards. And the University of Wales Motor Club have arrived, having pushed a bed with a dinghy on it um, <laughs> all, all the way from the University of Wales to Birmingham. Yeah. And I have no idea why any of these people are doing this thing. Why are they, they doing it? They lost a wheel on the way. They lost a wheel on the way, and the and the the bloke that he's talking to is like, yeah. To be fair, it was it was pretty tough. They look like they have had a really really bad, really terrible, <laughs> terrible journey. I don't. But that's the thing. Oh I'm God. seeing through all of these. They're coming through one after the other, and I'm just why why are they doing this? Why have they come yeah. all this way? These people have come from Middlesbrough. Are they yeah. insane? Why didn't they just get the train? It's a really long way. My favourite one is the bloke who's arrived in the back of a spa bath drinking champagne on the back of a low loader. Yeah, again. And then then he tries to do some advertising spiel for it and gets cut off. Yeah, well, (laughs) good. But, you know, I think we've we've actually made this sound like quite a compelling area of TV. But actually, what you have to remember is the absolute chaos. that Nobody knows what's going on. No one's yeah. got their cues. Everything is going wrong. All yeah, around. there are. There's. Yeah, there is. I. I mean, you know, live TV these days is very slick, and it's very difficult yeah. to tell live TV from recorded TV. It's the certainly. Only diff- yeah. The it, biggest difference is the number of times they tell you that it's live. Yeah. Um, but this, there was just stuff going wrong every 30 seconds. It's really noticeable how shoddy it is. It's it's like a rag week show. Yeah. Except it's being done by a bunch of professionals who don't have the excuse of not knowing what they're doing. There were, I thought, two good bits of the programme. Um, one was an interview with the Mogul family, yes, who yes. were ten years before had been expelled in common with all other Asians from Uganda by Idi Amin, um, and they had a you know it's a fairly chastening story and a fairly chastening story that they tell. Yeah, I mean, my only issue with that section. Yeah, is and I, I'm aware that Ugandan Asians were expelled in 1972, from 71, 72 time. I'm I'm aware of that, but I don't know why. Well, it's because Idi Amin was a maniac. Well, yeah, but why? okay, yeah, okay, but but why? Racism. And there, and there were. If if that's okay, if that's what it was, then that's what it was. That's what it um, was. I think the thing right. about the, the difference between Idi Amin and say uh, Boris Johnson or yes. Donald Trump uh-huh. is that Idi Amin got to do what he wanted more of the time. So if he decided he didn't like Asians, you know, he didn't have to battle Congress. For, right. For, okay. I mean, like went, I say, yeah, it just wasn't. It. it wasn't made clear at all why they had been, and I, I. That was the one thing that I really wanted to get from from that interview, 
was that oh right, yeah okay yeah I know that they expelled all the all the Ugandan Asians but I don't know why they expelled all the Ugandan Asians as the, as the uh, interview and then the subject on. was the subject was not touched upon as the interview touches on actually uh, by this point Uganda now no longer under the yoke of Idi Amin uh, wanted to get all the Asians back <laughs> and all of the Asians were like yeah well good luck with that yeah um, fuck that but I thought it was a fascinating interview because they were asking some interesting and indeed sometimes stupid and impertinent questions you know yeah. you know, are you bitter yes <laughs> now the surprising thing is that in just one decade you know the majority of the Asians who came over have become successful businessmen over here now why Why do they just have the special knack for, for business the Asian community are a very enterprising community and they have a joint family system, which means that they can pool the resources quite effectively and build up capital. And then from that capital, which they build up through sheer hard work and by pooling the resources, then they can make a new start uh, into uh, uh, business life. Uh, I thought the other good bit was there was a sort of a discussion segment from the, the uh, people who did the agony section. Worried blue eyes. Always a pleasure to see Claire Rayner on the TV. I, I, I always thought Claire Rayner was terrific. I've, well, I mean, yeah, and she, you know, she gives a good account of herself here. Yeah, yeah. But one thing I had forgotten about Claire Rayner is just how much Jay Rayner looks like Claire Rayner. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. It really. Do. I mean, if she yeah. had a stick-on beard, she would yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, I always liked Claire Rayner, and she gave. Uh, a, a, a decent account of herself. I mean, she said something in that interview that is just as true now as it was then, if not more so. But you know the, the bit that worries me a little? We're sitting here, I made a joke about wallowing in nostalgia, but that is the most, I suspect, dangerous thread in society now. Yes, the tendency I to look backwards to a glorious past. Forward. Yes, yeah. a glorious past that didn't exist. All those telly ads about, you know, my dad baked this lovely bread. It's a load of Cotswallop. People were hungry. <laughs> they were, you yes. know. And we must get out of the habit of thinking that the past was beautiful and today is awful. In fact, there are a lot of things about today that aren't nice, but there are downside better than the past. People no longer die of tuberculosis. People are not dying of all sorts of diseases they once did die of, which is important. So we've gained as much as we've lost, but I do wish we could look forwards more positively rather than backwards so, so boringly. I, th- I think we have you know. a project. It we- doesn't do anybody any good. God damn it. <laughs> this podcast is over. <laughs> stuff, in the, stuff in the past wasn't great. It was shit. Yeah, I, well, you know, I feel very strongly that the purpose of this podcast is to explain to people very slowly and patiently that the past was not some idyllic place. The past was a was a place with as many, if not more, problems than the the present day has. Yeah, this is a, it's essentially catharsis for people who had to live through analog television. Yeah, yeah. And um, and like I say, you know, I thought I thought I thought she was she was great. She's always like you know she was always good entertainment. She was always gave good advice when she was on the TV, um, and she has this kind of uh, she has this knack of being able to articulate emotional issues in a way that makes logical sense, which isn't always easy to do. In fact, it's quite difficult to do. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was, you know, ple- pleasure to see. Pleasure to see her again. 
Yeah, and it was actually it, it had it even had a certain intellectual weight. Yes. That segment. Unfortunately, of course, it had to be curtailed because the <laughs> the Harrier jet was arriving. Yeah. I think that what probably happened is that they were aware that it had they had to have the camera on it for the bit where it kind of hovers yeah. before oh, it well, lands. The, and I think it probably just ended up hovering for longer than they thought it would. And I don't think there's din. anything that they can do about that. What I do think it was interesting about that section was that I'm sure I could detect a hint of German accent on the pilot. Well, it's possible. I mean, the, but the, the din that came from that plane was quite spectacular and I think well, it was yeah. quite pleasing that all of the uh, hosts who were out there to witness the arrival of the Harrier all had obviously stood far too close and yeah. were now functionally deaf and presenting on live television yeah yeah no it was you know it was I understand why they did the end that way but I don't know. It's just and that, the thing was, it really was the end because after that, and they wheeled out their old host, yeah, uh, and he awarded a spot prize of I don't actually know what to the women who'd walked on their bums, yeah, and that's it. Show's over. Bye. It was yeah. like uh, it was like house party all over again. Oh, bye then. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's like you know. What well, what was the role of Pebble Mill really? Because it was never so sort of blue ribboned and essential viewing that you could expect people to take their work lunch break to watch it. People weren't setting their video for it. Although I will say, obviously, some people did set their video for it, and it is thanks to these absolute soldiers yes, that we yes. now have. Access for proof all that we have proof that this to, happened to uh, to Paul Shane singing "You've Lost That Loving oh, Feeling." Well, if well, that had yeah. been lost to the British culture, that would have been a tragedy. So whoever it was who set their video for that, baby, baby, I'll get down on my knees for you. So what? What was your favourite, least favourite, and uh, most lasting memory from Pebble Mill at 10? And let's face it, both of our lasting memory is the minstrel, so let's just get that out of the way now. Well, I mean, my favourite my favorite bit uh, is, is tied uh, between the Everly brother, singular, and uh, the, 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 the kind of the, the little section... Uh, on on uh, on the agony aunts, uh, which was kind of it. But again, the you know the bit with the Ugandan Asians was quite yep. interesting. It was enlightening as well uh, because they pointed out that the British government's response to this was saying, "Well, you're not coming here," and I thought that sounds like the British government. Oh, old oh, Teddy, it's friend of the podcast. But, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh but you know it's the the worst part i don't know whether it was the, the that that woman who was dressed up as a jack tar with 
her weirdly high-pitched voice. That was really horrible. Which and was weird, really yeah. horrible and weird. Um, or the the fucking black and white minstrels on TV in 1982. Yeah, pitching, pitching for a uh, recommission. And they only they only had a hundred pounds to give. Yeah, <laughs> there was a bloke. There was a bloke dressed as a letter, and he he'd brought along you know about six hundred and fifty quid's worth of stuff, and he was clearly mental. Yeah, I, I, it's just such a, just such a strange, strange mixture, and that people could possibly have thought that this sounded like a good idea. It looked like a good idea on paper, is just. Beyond me, absolutely beyond me. I, I mean, I personally, abs- I hated the chaos of it because it wasn't the program. The quality of the program wasn't good enough to sustain them fucking up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you if you've got some real killer content, I mean, if you're interviewing Bob Dylan for ten minutes and then you're going to throw to Lauren Bacall for all of her historical reminiscences and so forth. I'll allow a certain amount of technical cock-up, but not if you're just going between idiots in stupid cars. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. Who, yeah. who no one cares. That said, uh, my highlight of the programme was definitely Margaret Mathers, 71 years young, <laughs> in a in a wheelchair inside a Zimmer frame, carrying a pebble and a <laughs> mill. <laughs> Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I can't recommend it. It's a slice of absolute dog shit. When they closed Pebble Mill Studios and knocked it down, they found a bunch of episodes just on tapes in a skip. So, you know, <laughs> somewhere, oh, okay. well, somebody, mean, that... had, somebody had seen that coming. <laughs> yeah, that's bound to. But um, it's yeah, it's it's not it's not great. It's um... do you know what else they found in the skip? The pebble oh, yeah. hill that had been brought by Margaret Mathers, seventy seventy one. I know, I know. But I mean, it's fuck just... that. Every step of the way, that the whole thing might mm. actually completely unravel, and that kind of kept me on the edge of my seat a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it was it's a bit like reading a magazine in a doctor's waiting room. You never quite know what's going to happen next. And it might be completely stupid. It might be completely racist. Yeah. Or it yeah. might be completely fascinating. You're never really sure. And the thing is, until your name's called, you're going to be carrying on reading this magazine. So you might as well relish yeah. relish the peril yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's... Um... I don't know, it felt like a trip into the id of late middle age 1982. And I yeah. don't necessarily think that that's a place that you'd want to hang out in. No, but at the same time, I mean, you know, there's eight years between us. So I imagine that this is the sort of era of Pebble Mill that you actually have quite a fond recollection I am I I certainly have a fond recollection of Pebble Mill from the late 80s and early 90s Well I have my primary recollection of it was that when they had a live music act on uh well not a live music act a miming baby yeah, baby there was it was completely hit and miss what it might be it could be anything you know it could be Paul Shane it could be um <laughs> it could be Black Sabbath <laughs> 
you know <laughs> it could it could be literally just anything might turn up and there was always yeah. an element of because they have to put you know five of these things on a week so they're yeah. really scrabbling well, yeah. around and the bottom was, of the yeah barrel. it was just absolute magazine tv it was fascinating yeah. you never you never quite knew who you were going to get on pill yeah it might be 20 minutes with amy turtle yeah mm. or it might be prince charles yeah 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 and and it, and it did carry some weight so you know there were people you know who would be prepared to come on it but it was really fucking hard work it was really fucking hard work and um yeah. and, and like let's a, never speak of it again there we go that's it we're done yeah um victory yeah victory of sorts tomorrow yes. tomorrow's world yeah huh? <laughs> Do you like that yeah uh, an episode of tomorrow's world from 1984 with with some hot judith han action I've been looking forward uh, to this one because I actually live in tomorrow's world, so it'll be interesting to see whether or not that they have called it correctly. Programs from the past that predict the future are always interesting, especially when they got Judith Han in them. Yeah, so um, there you go. That'll be us uh, tomorrow. We're done for tonight. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Baby, baby, I'll get down on my knees.